Sharpen the Square, episode number 61, coming to you on this Tuesday after a very successful Monday. Justin, you're one week into the season, man, and you are killing it. Thanks, brother. Yeah, how about some props to you real quick? Come on, gas yourself up a little bit. I don't like to, I mean, I don't like to do it on, on, the, on the mic. Everybody knows how I feel about where I'm at, where my head's at. Uh, I, don't, I appreciate the love. That's what's all. your what's your season? What's your um, record so far in your units? Give the people a little taste. Uh, I am eighteen and five. Eighteen and five, and plus I how many up, units right now? Up twelve point oh eight units. Wow, fantastic! So that's what you're getting on this pod, little taste. Um, I I have been riding a lot of Justin's picks. I haven't been so original yet. Um, I said on yesterday's pod, it takes me about a month to get into the season to really start feeling comfortable firing on my own plays. And, and th- those will start to trickle in, but that's why I have this guy across the screen from me because he's been absolutely kicking ass and taking names. He's a psychopath, lunatic, obsessive, compulsive freak. Yes, he is. And, but he's making money. So uh, it's a pretty accurate self-description there. But so let's talk about let's talk about Monday's games real quick because we were money on yesterday's pod. Um, let's start with the big one. Marquette upsets Illinois. Um, you said on the pod yesterday that you really leaned Marquette with Kofi Coburn out, still on a suspension from the NCAA. And Andre Curbelo did not have a great game. And Marquette wins. What was your uh, initial takeaway from that game? I mean, Illinois turned the ball over like 25 times. Right. Um I don't think Marquette's going to be very good. Like, I don't think they're very good offensively, um, but their roster and they're not very deep, but their roster is made up of a bunch of Shaka smart guys and they're able to play the way Shaka smart wants to play. They're long, they're athletic. They play pressure defense. I think I talked about it on the pod yesterday. They have really good defenders. We talked about Kirk Queth, awesome defender inside, shot-blocking machine. Daryl Morcel was the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Justin Lewis is an awesome defender. Like We've we've talked a lot about how, how good Marquette's individual defenders are, and Shaka Smart, defensive first coach, has always been was what it was dating back to his days at VCU, um, and they defended at a high level tonight. I always love a home dog with a better defense getting points, and, and we found out tonight what Illinois is. Without Kofi Coburn, they are too reliant on their guards and um, they couldn't go inside to get a bucket. Trent Frazier had an awesome game, made a ton of shots, but when push came to shove, like Curbelo couldn't couldn't really be as good as I think everybody expects him to be without Kofi Coburn being the the guy in the middle for him. So impressive win for Marquette. Um, Illinois kind of gave it away, but uh, we move on. Happy to be on Marquette plus the points. Another big one that we were on was Providence plus five and a half. And they win outright on the road at Wisconsin. And Justin, you handicapped it perfectly yesterday. You said no one on Wisconsin was going to be able to stop big man, Nate Watson. And he dominated 24 points on the night. And Providence gets a very nice road win at the cold center against the Badgers. Uh, That was, that one was relatively easy. Providence pretty much took the lead in the first half and, held it throughout the rest of the game. Yeah, we talked about it yesterday. Um, Providence is better than Wisconsin. I don't think Wisconsin's going to be very good. We talked about it on our little Big Ten preview pod, hot take. I don't think Wisconsin finishes in the top 10 of the Big Ten Conference. I don't think they're very good this year. And it just so happened that Johnny Davis ended up being announced out right before the game, which, I mean, he's Wisconsin's best player. So that helped a ton as well. 
Um, but they had no answer for Nate Watson. I don't think a lot of teams are going to have many answers for Nate Watson. He's a really, really good player. He is a first-team All-Big East caliber, um, scores a ton at the rim, really good defender, good rebounder. He's terrific. And I think Providence has a really balanced roster, um, and if they're going to make shots from the outside, they're going to be hard to beat. They defend at a high level. Ed Cooley's a great coach. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if Providence threatened uh, – some of the big boys like Villanova and UConn atop the Big East this year. I think people are really sleeping on the Friars. It's a good win for them. All right. You also had Tulsa. They covered against Oregon State. Uh, any other games you wanted to talk about on the Monday uh, night slate? Yeah. UMass blows out Penn State. I mean, what the hell was that? <laughs> Absolutely. A, a, a blowout. Yeah. It, and you it, were wrong yesterday. You were dead wrong on that game. And you said it was going to be close. I know. How could I <laughs> um, yeah. Embrace the volatility in college basketball. UMass loses by 20 at Yale and then comes back home and beats Penn State by 25. This is college basketball. We embrace the volatility. Matt, we talk about it all the time. We cannot overreact to individual outcomes because that is what the public does. And if you just are able to avoid and, and expect teams to regress both positively and negatively back to their, their baseline, um, I think you'll do a lot of winning. And this is something that we really talk about a ton on this pod and we talk about it a ton away from the pod just be very steady do not overreact and and things will things will come your way more often than not and i think that's that's what i did on umass they made a ton of shots that helped penn state missed a ton of shots that helped but i mean umass has the horses they've got a lot of talent on their roster they're no joke um i don't know how good they're going to be in the long run because i think they're a team that will play up and play down um and I don't see them really being a threat in the Atlantic 10. I don't think they're consistent enough, but they've got enough talent to give anybody hell on any given night. And that's, uh, that's exactly what they did to Penn State. All right, let's move into the Tuesday night slate of games. There's a couple of really good games at the top of this card. Um, yep. let, let's start with BYU uh, playing number 12, Oregon. This game is on a neutral court at the Mode Center in Ish. Portland. Yeah. Yeah, neutral Ish. court-ish because the game will be in – Oregon, so I'm sure but I think, Ducks fans will be there. Yeah, I think Portland is like two hours south of Eugene. Like it's not, it's not like around the corner, but it's um, yeah. But still should be a pro Oregon crowd for sure, though. Um, both teams are two and zero. The Cougars are led by Alex Barcelo, who is on fire to start the season, averaging over 20 points per game throughout the first two games. Last year, he averaged 16 points a game, and he just – this is a kid who makes it rain from downtown. He likes to shoot the three ball. He shoots a lot of threes. And last year, he shot 47% from downtown. Um, the Ducks, on the other hand, they got five players right now averaging in double figures. Now, mind you, we're only through two games so far, but it just goes to show you the depth that Oregon has. Um, and that, that, that doesn't even include uh, Syracuse big man Quincy Guerriere, the transfer who he's not averaging in double figures. He's got 8.5 points per game and nine rebounds throughout the first two games. So Oregon four and a half point favorite here. Uh, just my initial thought is that this spread seems a little low considering it's a neutral court. You're getting four and a half points with Oregon on a neutral court. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts and your opinions on BYU. Um, I, I think I have a good grip of what Oregon is as a team, but I'm not sure I know as much about BYU outside of Barcelo. Well, we'll keep going with what you're saying about the four, the, you think you're getting a good number because it's technically a neutral, even though it's in Oregon. Is that what you were saying? Well, yeah. I, well, just because it's neutral court four and a half makes me seem, it makes it seem like 
I, I don't know. It just, it seems like it's a decent number for a neutral court for if in since it's Oregon. If this was if Oregon was at home, don't you think this number would be around six and a half? Yeah, I mean, I think it would probably be closer to like. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it'd be closer to six and a half, seven or so. Yeah. Right. Right. That that was my point. Yeah, uh, I like BYU. <laughs> yeah. Um, I haven't played it. I, I my number's two and a half. I'm going to wait for a five, five and a half. I'm not really too concerned. I'm sure it's going to get there. People love to bet Oregon. And why, why wouldn't they? For everything you just said, right? Oregon's got all these high-powered names. Jacob Young, Davion Harmon, Quincy Garrier, Will Richardson. They're all scoring in double figures. Um, BYU's pretty good, man. They just had a big win at home over a good San Diego State team. Mm-hmm. They're confident. They're super well coached. Um, they know what they are. Alex Barcelo is a wonderful shooter. Um, like they beat San Diego State with their point guard, Tijon Lucas, going two of 12 from the field, and Caleb Lohner, who is probably their second best player, going three of 12 from the field. Like that's really impressive to beat San Diego State having an off shooting night. Um, I think they match up well with Oregon. They're pretty long themselves. I know it's, it's weird to look at BYU that way, but um, they're long and they're athletic and they'll stretch the floor. They don't play a traditional center right now the same way that um, Oregon won't really play a traditional center. So I do think they match up well. I, I think it's a really good opportunity for BYU to make an early season statement. Um, and I think Mark Pope's a really good coach. I've not played it yet. I think push comes to shove. I would play the four and a half, but right now I'm, I'm waiting because I anticipate it going up to five, five and a half, and maybe even six. So I'll be patient for now, but I, I do like BYU in the game. Okay. Next game, Virginia at Houston. Houston right now an eight and a half point favorite. Uh, this line seems sharp to me. Um, I don't know what, I can't wait to hear the sharps thoughts on this game, but Virginia is an interesting team. They open up the season with a loss against Navy as a 15 and a half point favorite. They have some good players on their team. They bring over Jane Gardner from ECU, a high scoring guy. He's, you know, he, he scores a lot of points last year for ECU. So far this year for Virginia, Armand Franklin from Indiana, and they have that senior point guard. Uh, how do you say his name? Kahi Clark. Um, Kihei. Kihei. I said Kahi. Kihei. Okay. Kihei Clark, who uh, distributes the ball while he's been at Virginia th- three plus seasons already. Um, but Houston, obviously, very good team. Final four team last year. Um, Marcus Sasser. Uh, just an absolute beast. He's averaging over 25 points through two games. And then they add Kyler Edwards from Texas Tech, who just is a sharpshooter from downtown. And he's through two games, he's averaging eight three-pointers attempted. Um, so he's just going to let it rip. So Houston minus eight and a half. What, what are your thoughts and where do you lean here? Um, yeah, one of my trademarks is take a good defense getting points, especially when Tony Bennett is the guy leaving that defense, but this is not a traditional Houston team, uh, Virginia team. They're, they've got a couple transfers. They're not really long and athletic on the wings. Like Jaden Gardner is a good player, but he's not really a, he's not really what you like the prototypical Tony Bennett for. Um, and I mean, Virginia struggled against Navy. Navy's a pretty good team, but still that's a, that's a, that's bad for Virginia. Right. On opening night to Navy, but Houston had their own struggles. They, they needed overtime to beat Hofstra on opening night. Um, Traymond Mark has been out for the first couple games. I don't know if he'll be back. Um, if he's not back, you know, it's next man up at the, in the backcourt for Houston, but I mean, uh, I don't know. I think it's a big number. So I, I like Virginia. I like Virginia at eight and a half. That's a good, good number. Um, I trust Tony Bennett. I trust them defensively. 
Armand Franklin's a good player. Kihei Clark is a really good point guard and he's a good defender. Reese Beekman is a really good, really good young player. And I mean, I'm not sure Houston is really all that yet. I mean, I think they've got some good players, some good pieces. Marcus Sasser's obviously a front runner to be the AAC player of the year. He's spectacular, but I mean, if there's one thing this Virginia defense does well, it is shut down, you know, opposing offenses. It's what they do. They, they make you make shots from the outside. And I mean, Houston has some good shooters. You mentioned Kyler Edwards. Sasser's a good shooter, but I mean, Peyton has a big number to cover against a Virginia team that's going to play slow, going to defend. And I mean, it really wouldn't surprise me for Tony Bennett to just kind of turn everybody on their heads and, and go on the road and pull an upset. I mean, that, that wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, so I'm 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 there with Virginia plus eight and a half. Even even though Tony Bennett's teams usually get better as the season goes on, I just think we're a little too high right now um, on Houston or a little too low on Virginia. Maybe is the better way to put it. So I'm on I'm on the Hoos plus eight and a half. All right. Do you think this line is going to move anywhere towards one direction in particular? As we this is being recorded on Monday night, so we'll see where the line goes tomorrow throughout the day. But. Um, so, like, I don't really have a strong opinion on where it goes. I feel like it's more likely to move towards Virginia, which is why I played the eight and a half. Um, mm-hmm. if, if I didn't feel that way, I would have waited. But I don't really want to lose the eight and a half. My number is Houston by six, so two and a half points of value is good. And I'm not sure I'm going to get that if it, if it going into tomorrow. I mean, like, I'm not positive that the line's definitely going to move towards Virginia, but that's definitely my, um, my thought, my feeling. All right. Seton Hall at Michigan is the next one up that we're going to talk about. Here's another game. It's an eight and a half point spread. Uh, Michigan is home. Both teams are two and zero. And for me, the battle here is who on Seton Hall is going to counter Hunter Dickinson. And I guess they have to turn to Tyrese Hall, right? Uh, Tyrese Samuel. Um, Tyrese Samuel. Sorry about that. My guess is no. Ike Obiagu is like a seven foot two monster. Um, so. If he's healthy, he'll defend Hunter Dickinson, and I'm, I'm sure he'll do a pretty good job as long as he stays out of foul trouble. I think Seton Hall's really good. They've looked really good earlier this season. They've, they've blown out FDU and Yale. They're super deep. They've got a super deep roster. I don't know who the go-to guy is. I mean, maybe Jared Roden, maybe Miles Kale, but, I mean, Bryce Aiken comes off the bench for him. Kadari Richwing comes over from Syracuse. Alexis Yetna comes over from USF. Tyree Samuel's been great so far. Um, they are really deep and they could be really good in the big East. So it sounds uh, like you like the points here with the pirates. Not, I mean, what is the, what is the spread? I mean, it's eight not, and a half. Yeah. I think it opened at eight and a half. I feel like it's going to get bet down. Um, my number's like seven. Like, I don't really know if I'm, I think a lot of people are high on Seton hall. Um, I haven't, I, I don't have a play yet. I, I, I lean Seton Hall, but it's not, it's not, there's not enough conviction there. Like Michigan's still long and athletic and really good. And it it wouldn't surprise me if Michigan ran away. Um, I think the line's high for a reason, but I do not have a play yet. No. All right. No play uh, so far. Eight and a half. Quite the spread. We'll see where that goes on throughout the day on Tuesday. I think if it got up to nine, nine and a half, that would be more tempting to me to um, fire on Seton Hall I think, I think it is it is moving that way people like to bet Michigan like I think I think it will move that way you know what I mean right so right all right um 
Other game we're going to talk about, Creighton at Nebraska. This one's interesting, too. Nebraska's a three-and-a-half-point home favorite. Um, they are one-and-one. One. They lost their first game of the season to Western Illinois as a 17-point favorite. Um, the Blue Jays have struggled to start the season. They're 2-0, and oh, but they had a 13-point win as a 34-point favorite and a 7-point win as a 19-point favorite. Um, this one's interesting. Creighton on the road. Uh, they're, you know, they really have to rely on um, Ryan Nemhard, their top 100 recruit at point guard. He's really, yeah. they don't really return many players from last year, right, Justin? Yeah, yeah. Alex O'Connell and and um, uh, what, what's the what's the big guy's name? Um, I'm blanking on it. The, the tall, skinny looking fella. Uh, Kalkbrenner, Ryan Kalkbrenner. So, yeah, no, they don't they don't return a lot of guys now. And um, as far as Nebraska goes, um, three and a half points at home here. Uh, I'm 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 curious your thoughts. Just uh, this one seems like it's going to be a close one. Uh, uh, Nebraska doesn't really particularly do anything for me, um, but neither does Creighton really. So I, I don't know. It's uh, it makes it makes me feel like three and a half points is well within Creighton's range of covering here against the not so great Nebraska team, but they have a crane as a very young team and going on the road in the big 10 is never easy, even if it is Nebraska. So I don't know. I'm, I'm curious where you lean or if you have a play here or if you're totally staying away. Um, nothing yet. My number's pretty sharp. I, I think I'm going to get there in Nebraska though. Um, they lost by one to Western Illinois. Western Illinois is not a, not a very bad team. Um, they beat Sam Houston State. That was also Sam Houston State's not a very bad team. They compete a lot. They compete at a high level in the Southland Conference. Um, rumor has it that Nebraska, you know, obliterated Colorado in a charity exhibition game, um, which uh, I, charity exhibition is different than a secret scrimmage. So I will take – I mean, charity exhibition means it was played like a real basketball game. So I'm going to take that at, at face value. Um, it means it was a real game. And – Nebraska won that game, which I think is interesting. Um, like that's a, a really good win, and I think people are just kind of forgetting about it. Uh, I like Nebraska. I think the line, I mean, it's trying to bait you to bet Creighton because Creighton's been the team over the last few years. Right, they, they're really good, um, but this is a completely different Creighton team. They're a super young team, and now they got to go on the road to Nebraska. And Nebraska, even though, even though they are Nebraska, like they do have a really good home court advantage. Like it's kind of a do or die time for Fred Hoiberg. They need this is an arch rival. Like this is a big game for Fred Hoiberg and what he's trying to build in Nebraska. Like, can they beat Creighton when Creighton's looking like they're in a down year and Nebraska's in year three of the Hoiberg era? Like it's a big game. And I, I think I think they'll find a way to do it. Um, so I like Nebraska. I haven't played it yet, but minus two and a half is intriguing to me at home. Laying the small number with Nebraska. All right. Uh, that's all I had written down. I know there's a couple more games that have um, that have piqued your interest that you see on the slate here. You can uh, go through them rapid fire, if you will. Sure. Santa Clara plus three and a half against Nevada. I like that. I haven't played it yet. I like three and a half. I think Santa Clara is really good. Um, I think Nevada's got a lot of talent, but it's just a big ass for them to cover over a position possession, excuse me, on the road against Santa Clara, who, uh, I mean, I, I think is really good. I mean, we, we, we talked about him last week when they upset Stan Stanford in a similar spot. And um, 
it wouldn't surprise me if they, they came away with another win at home. So I like Santa Clara. Um, St. Louis visits Memphis. Would be, I mean, it's Memphis' first real test with their super talented roster. I mean, they're 12 and a half point favorites, but like St. Louis is no slouch. Mm-hmm. They compete towards the top of the Atlantic 10 every year. So I think it'll be, I mean, it'll be the first real test for Emily Bates and Jalen Duran and company. And I'm, I, I have no play, but I'm curious to see how that plays out. Um, Miami is laying a small number at Florida Atlantic. That's interesting to me. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get there because the line may stink a little bit, but I mean, the research I've done on both these teams, like Miami, even though it's a road game, a weird road game going on the road to FAU, like Miami should blow them out. Uh, so I might get there on Miami, but other than that, not much. So I'm on Virginia plus eight and a half. I could see myself getting there on Seton Hall. I could see myself getting there on Santa Clara, BYU and Nebraska. Like those are the, those are the games that are kind of staring at me for tomorrow. All right. Yep. And by tomorrow, you mean Tuesday, because we're recording yes. this on Monday night. So for no. today, if you're listening on Tuesday, okay. just, just to clarify. All right, Justin, what else is new? What else is new in your life, brother? You're moving out soon, huh? Uh, two and a half weeks, three weeks, December 1. Ooh, to Hobo? Hoboken? Yeah, to Boboken. Hoboken. Yeah, yeah. Are you excited? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I you know, haven't really had time to think about it, but, but yeah. Excited, yeah. Uh, Too much college there. basketball handicapping on your mind? I mean, too much work, but yeah, and college basketball handicapping and golf, golf handicapping. But, but yeah. What about you? You good? Yeah, man. All, all, everything is good here. I'm holding down the holding down the fort in Philly. Turning 25 this weekend. Fun weekend ahead. Yep. Uh, going to Atlantic City, so hopefully I can win some money there. I'll be at the FanDuel Sportsbook on Friday night, so that'll be fun. Hopefully, betting some. I'm not even. I didn't even look at the Friday night slate yet, but. Uh, hopefully betting some fun games there in Atlantic city. And uh, then Saturday watching Rutgers beat Penn state, hopefully yeah. Sunday Eagles tailgate. I have this, I have a couple of days off from work. So it, we're, we're, we're rolling here this week. I'm, I just got to get through tomorrow or today, rather Tuesday, and uh, we'll be good to go for the rest of the week. It's uh, it's what a time to be alive. That's what I got to say. All right, Mr. Santu, we will catch up tomorrow. And uh, let's keep it rolling. Taylor Fade, best of luck. Sharpen the Square, episode 61 in the books. 62 coming back soon. See you guys later.